Welcome to Build with Rob. It is Rob Deerdeck, the host, the founder, the CEO of the Deerdeck Machine. You know what it is. We're a one-of-a-kind venture creation studio where we systematically fuse art, science, and magic to manufacture amazing companies. And we also use that philosophy to manufacture amazing lives. And that's what this show is all about. Business, entrepreneurial, life, visions, everything that you could possibly want to create in a fully integrated existence that you are the visionary of. That's what this show is all about. Uh, We share philosophies. We talk to entrepreneurs. We share business visions, life visions. We all learn together. Uh, That's what this show is all about. Of course, wherever you are listening to this show, uh, make sure you like and subscribe. You want to be on this show, you can go to DeerDeckMachine.com. If you want to be one of the machinists, one of our consumer collaborators, as always, uh, go to DeerDeck Machine and sign up for that as well. You know, machinists have been super essential lately in a lot of our decision making. Uh, It's always great to get feedback from from the community in, in a much more specific way. So, so if you want to be a part of that, go to DeerDeckMachine.com uh, and sign up for that. Of course, uh, you want to pitch us an idea, you can do that uh, there as well, you know. And, and really, um, you know, one thing that we always try to open each show up with is, is some sort of um, straightforward, more um, sort of philosophy-driven thought that I've been in the middle of lately. And, and one that I've been on. You know, for a while, and I and I feel like when I talk about it, I'm a, I'm a bit of a crazy person, right? Because I I take it to a fanatical level, but I really believe um, you've got to master time to truly have a high quality life. And everybody always says like, "Oh, whoa, master time." I mean, I wish, I wish. I mean, is that even possible? There's never enough hours in the day. And I think to most people, including myself, for many years, it was the same thing. I lived inside the same paradigm because it was like, man, you basically could spend every single hour of the day doing the things that you had to do and you still couldn't do the things that you wanted to do because you still had too many other things that needed to get done and you did not get them done and then you got to get up the next day and do it again. That's when time is controlling you. You know, and and you have got to take control of time. And the only way you can really begin to do that is to begin to block out time and commit to it and get better and better at at working more efficient inside those blocks of times. You've got to elevate uh, your time efficacy, like really what you're doing in your allotted time and how much um, output an impact you're having on the things that you need to get done and and the things that affect the quality of your life, you've got to design this, you know. And and I think a lot of times, you know, despite, you know, being someone that's an advocate of of you must, you know, design your time and then get better and better at living in that structured, controlled, consistent uh, time structure – it's still a skill like anything else that you have to develop. But in, sim- in the simplest form, you got to start. You know, like you, if, if you know that you um, want to spend time with your kids, your wife, your girlfriend, like your friends, like you um, want to work more, work less, you want to focus on creative, personal growth, be in the gym, meditate, do yoga, all these things. 
you've got to then design your time to make sure that you can even do these in the first place, you know? And, you know, a lot of people will say like, hey, you got to win your morning and you can win the day. And, and that's true. But if you can design your day and, and you can win your life, you know, because really um, understanding mastering time is going to give you the balance that you seek and give you the peace of mind that you're searching for because you're able to fit in all the things that you need to be balanced and feel energetic and feel great because you're doing it with purpose. And it starts with just, you know, designing the day in chunks and really, really making sure that like, hey, here's the things I'm going to commit to and when I'm going to commit to them. And, and a lot of people may be a night owl, you may be a morning person, whatever it may be. But if you start looking at how important those hours are and then begin to understand how to manage them more efficiently, you're going to see a huge impact on your well-being and the quality of your life. And, and for me, of course, I've gone extreme, you know, where I, I have, um, you know, laid out every single morning uh, to all the date nights with my wife, all the way to like the times I spend with my kids, the, all the meetings that I do that are on an ongoing basis, like um, sort of how I treat every single morning, how I treat my weekends, right? And, and, and I still leave it adaptive depending on how I'm feeling. But because I have that baseline structure of the amount of time that I use for all of these different things, I fully understand the importance of every single hour. And the crazy thing is we all got the same amount of time. You got 24 hours, right? You sleep for seven, you got 17 to work with. You know, and so, you know, for me, when I think about when I transitioned from waking up at seven to when I started waking up at five, you know, think about that. Now you got two extra hours and two extra hours is essentially, you know, a third of an entire work week, you know, a regular 40 hour week. If you get up two hours early, seven days a week, you just got 14 hours right there, you know, and, and for me, I eventually moved to like, hey, sometimes I'll go to bed early, get up at 4, 3.30 uh, so that I, I, I get that additional. Now, think about that. Three hours before 7, that's 21 hours in a week. That's half of a normal person's entire work, work life in the morning. That, to me, it, it sounds extreme. Um, you know, I had a friend of mine, the great Russ Pillar, uh, who really turned me on to the idea of simplicity on the far side of complexity. He's an, an amazing man. But he used to get up at four in the morning when when I met him back in 2013, 2014. And I was like, look, you're getting up in the middle of the night. It's, it's insane. Like four o'clock's the middle of the night. Like you're not like, like I had, I had barely transitioned to seven. I'm like four o'clock. That is the middle of the night. Now I get up at four o'clock probably like four or five times a week now, you know? And, and to me, it's because, man, look at all that, that additional hour gives me. And whether that's like having time to meditate, you know, I'll get up at four before I shoot so that I could get in the gym uh, before I shoot so that when I go and shoot all day, I don't have to skip the gym. You know, it's it's the use of those hours that you get is is essentially like adding an entire extra month or two of work or allotted time as it relates to, you know, kind of how you spend your time if you connected it to a 40 hour work week. But you know, I'm, I am certainly an extreme version and I have found as I've gotten, 
sharper and sharper and really designed time. And now there's not one hour that I don't understand why I'm using it. You know, none of it. And I look at my calendar every day. I look at the gaps in it. I look how I build it and balance it. I even, I look at how do I make it more efficient? You know, I know I want to watch a playoff football game and I've committed to doing my vision board bottles that I do with my wife at the beginning of each year. What I do, I doubled them up. I doubled them up. On a Sunday afternoon, we worked on our bottles while I had the, the football game in the background. And to me, it takes me it takes me two hours to do one of those bottles of picking the images that I want, cutting them all out and gluing them to it. It's like an arts and crafts project. And I think, man, that two hours is a lot of time. But I want to do it. It's it's something that's special for us. And I killed two birds with one stone, essentially. But, you know, the the funny thing about time mastery as I have it today is like you just you evaluate every hour so much more crucially you know it's like whether or not you can um, you know spend that hour on whether it's like someone that you don't know well to take a first meeting uh, you know or something that's more in my case or even even going to dinner with friends you know what I mean like I got so many close friends that'll be like oh I'm in town it's just like man I don't have I don't have the allotted time to be able to dedicate to it right now because I have so much that I love that I'm doing that has filled those slots because I've learned how to fill them efficiently and get a high output out of. And ultimately to all my closest friends, it's like, yo, you got to hit me two or three weeks in advance. Like you can't just show up on a, on a, on a Thursday and be like, you want to grab dinner tomorrow? Very, very difficult uh, for me. And, And I like it that way. And at the end of the day, because I've I've gotten better at better at controlling time, then I go a level deeper and now it's like, what does that time serve me? What's the output? Does it does it pull energy or give energy? Right now, now it's ultimately how much effort does that time actually uh, take from me or need from me, right? So now there becomes this incredible blend of mastering time, energy, and capacity. Uh, which really drives your output to an extraordinary level, you know, and and it's the super advanced level uh, when you get to a world where you understand every single hour and every hour counts and then you begin to optimize those hours and then you can begin to look at it through the lens of time, energy and capacity, but it's possible and it starts first with just designing your time and building your time in a way Um, that you begin to fully understand and control and get more and more consistent at managing uh, the time efficacy of each one of those hours that you have to, um, you know, achieve your goals, um, recover, reflect, um, spend with your friends, socialize, have adventure, have fun, all of these things that make up your quality of life You've got to design time and fit them in and then get better and better at maximizing that time in order to lead that amazing high-quality life. Okay, look, that's my time. That's my time speech, man. I always I always kind of get into like a flow and then I just start thinking about my life and then it's just like you can optimize this. Even as I'm speaking about how to manage time better in my mind, I'm like thinking of like other ways to optimize it even further as I'm – sharing these particular scenarios. But 
As always on this show, we got a, a, a couple of great entrepreneurs going to share some great business visions and life visions and, and see if we can't help with a little bit of strategy. Uh, without further ado, our first guest, Kelly Radnitzer. Welcome to Build with Rob. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Very good. Very good, man. I can't wait to hear the vision for your company, HD Labs. Tell me all about it. Yeah, thank you. Uh, so HD, first of all, stands for hard work and dedication. Um, it was created to be a reminder uh, for athletes whenever they're competing and uh, you know working hard towards their goals. So a business vision was to create a, a self-motivating brand that competes in the retail and marketing space as the big five companies. And then what type of products, what's the products and the product vision for the business itself? Yeah, so the products we have currently are dietary supplements. Um, apparel, men's and women's, and then we're also working on footwear. Right now we have soccer cleats, uh, some samples of some soccer cleats. And so uh, the vision is just to uh, use the logo to motivate people when they see it, uh, to, to basically just be more motivated to keep working hard. When they see the H and the D, they think hard work and dedication. And, and, and then for you, what led you to creating this company and ultimately what stage are you at in, in, in the company? Right. So um, college dropout, you know, started the company with a, a buddy I met in college and uh, it became H&D because my middle name is David and his name was Hayden. So H&D, but, you know, we couldn't name it that. So hard work and dedication. And um, basically the stage we're at right now is we're scaling. Um, we're at a point where we're trying to work with the big box stores, um, but we just we can't scale. We can't compete um, with other competitors who have uh better resources. So scaling phase right now. Yeah. And so what, what, you know, so, so that kind of leads into the question you have. So, so hit me with the question. I'd love to kind of talk about, about this overall issue with you. Yes. So my question is how does a business go about scaling once the supply chain is organized? And, and then for you, when you say supply chain, like ultimately meaning like, Hey, we now, we understand our product pipeline, how to make it, how to sell it, every aspect of that. And, and now we don't know who to sell it to and where to sell it. Is this kind of like the trouble that you've kind of walked into? Yes, yes. Uh, you know, we catered to brick and mortar mom and pop stores for the first couple of years. And we heard a lot of good feedback about the, the packaging and everything about the, the product line. It was just that whenever we got approached by the big box retailers, you know, their marketing budget was, you know, a couple million dollars a quarter and we don't have that. So yeah. just, you know, trying to scale with the big players is, is really the question that we're trying to figure out. Well, well, look, you know, I, I think for, for a smaller company that doesn't have a marketing budget, it, it's all about being resourceful and creative, right? And I think, you know, they refer to it as demand creation, um, but it's really shotgun marketing on every single possible level that there is, you know, and I think in this day and age to get retailers excited about you without you spending money is when you're basically cracking a clear consumer base and you're doing that through creative marketing, whether it be on TikTok or Instagram or uh, you know, creating your own content on YouTube, uh, all these different sort of aspects of creating community around your product, creating an, a built-in audience that they, that they would like to show up in their store or seeing hard work and dedication as it is a community and people that are committed to it. You know what I mean? It's like, they don't, 
when you just go in and they've never heard of you and then you can't point to anything that you're doing that has some sort of scale or reach or clarity, then it's hard for them to be to even kind of buy into it because you're in a space that's so incredibly competitive. You know what I mean? Right. right. And I'm sure that that's kind of probably the, the world that you kind of keep running into is, like, hey, we'd like to be in here, but we can't really provide... Um, they're pushing back and saying, well, we need to see marketing. And you're saying, well, we don't have the money for the marketing. All right, well, how do we do that? You know? And, and to me, when I think about like, when I look at your brand and think about what you're doing and your background, right. It's like you're hyper, like you have a deep soccer background without going all in and being super focused as a soccer led brand. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And then building like, like, you know, going out and sponsor all the, the local, uh, youth soccer groups in in Texas and showing regionally, we, you know, touch this many soccer players, uh, in, in the youth organization. And we do these professional teams and, and, you know, whatever it, whatever it may be, it's like owning an entire segment, that they can then connect with. I I think you should think about how you reposition hard work and dedication to primarily sort of soccer focused audience, right? And and just even hearing you say like, oh, we're going to transition, you know, right now we have sort of apparel and supplements and we're going to do a soccer cleat, right? It's like you're already now like going now you're going super core to core because only soccer players are going to buy that mm-hmm. and why not go even further to where you build your supplements around the sport itself like endurance products and like right, right. cramping products and like like the way under armor essentially built stuff to go under the pads like how do you build the product that goes under the shin guards and you know different stuff like to me it's like go and win that entire community and and have it be so much more a by us for us type of soccer innovation company, like Mm -hmm. then you're going to be so much more appealing to a bigger box store that sells soccer equipment because now you come, you've already established yourself to, to have an audience and move the needle to that, to that core audience. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That's a great idea. Yeah, no, you're a hundred percent right. You know, being a soccer player, you never really saw that, you know, supplement companies targeting, you know, your soccer players towards the end, you know, towards, you know, you saw muscle tech or the big companies starting to come out with protein. They had soccer advertisements and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, you're hundred percent right. That's, that's what we're trying to be like is, is like those, uh, like your Under Armour, like you said, we're trying to be like them. Yep. And they're coming out with a supplement line too. I saw, I saw that Under Armour is coming out with a supplement line. Yeah. And, and I think supplement lines themselves are so incredibly competitive. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. we have a really premium supplement line called Momentus and we sell to all the NFL teams and all the top college teams. Right. And, and it's all like, you know, science backed and like super innovative products, but it's still like it required being, you know, a lot of capital and being on this very elite level to build that over time because, you know, there's, there's so much competitiveness in the space and why not 
go and own a segment that's I would almost say is underserved. And it's like if you can then make products more specific for that athlete and all their challenges rather than mm-hmm. just say normal whey protein, right? But protein plus that supports, you know, uh, something that soccer players need that's that's additional to just someone just regular athletics, whatever that may be. Sure, sure. You know, I, I just think you 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 can build a much more authentic, real and loyal consumer base that has the ability to then scale to the more uh, people that go beyond just that. And, and you can talk to them so much easier because they live in different groups and, and, and sort of focus in the same area. They have their own, you know, like, you know, I don't know how many just soccer focused stores. I know there's a lot of them, you know, I had to go to a couple of them in LA recently because I was trying to find my son some soccer cleats and trying to get like go. a fancy sex <laughs> soccer setup. For my son, you know what I mean? Who's out here dominating oh, yeah. soccer right now. Oh, I love hearing that. <laughs> you know, but I, I really think, because even when I did some research on like, hey, like, like what, is there any other like, like supplement focused soccer products? There is actually like a, a, a business called like soccer supplements. That's literally like, like strictly focused on s- soccer players. It's called soccer supplements, but it's like a UK based thing and it's not really a brand. You know what I mean? Like, right, right. You want, you want to still be the brand, but it's like, you want to, you know, your media should be about doing 110,000 kicks into the goal, like hard work and dedicate. It's like all these things that go back to like what it takes to be an elite soccer player. Right. And then that hard work and dedication is like really about it transitions to the field and the field transitions to goals you know my son scored five goals last week and like (laughs) i said son where do you what have you been doing how did you get so good and he pointed to his head and he said dad i'm starting to practice in my mind and he's five years old and i'm like Wow. wow i'm like man that's look i'm trying to like instill this in you but that's 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 actually I could shed a tear on that one. I, I just think you got a lot of potential in in getting way Thank more you. focused instead of being broad, and then you end up trying to 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 capitalize on all those soccer focused retail stores. Then all the big the big stores that have soccer sections, you know what I mean? That have the ball like just like how do you get footprint wherever soccer is, and you're basically. The, your products all support soccer players to to be the best version of themselves. I think is is where you have some real potential. You know. Okay. Well, thank you. Yeah. yeah no, I agree. Hit me with your life vision, man. I'd love to hear your life vision. Oh man, man. yeah, I'm a diehard Texan. You know that. So um, my goal and a life vision is obviously you know take care of my family. I've got a beautiful wife and a daughter on the way. So you know, protect them and provide to them. But long-term, we want to start a rescue farm that rescues, you know, street dogs, cats, um, you know, even animals that are, you know, bitted to go to slaughter. So the long-term is to start a rescue farm. That's the life vision. Yeah, look, I, I love that. And, and I, am, uh, you know, I love, I love hearing everybody's uh, version of it. I think a lot of times, even younger guys like yourself, you never really like think about like, okay, what's the whole life is? Because you're just dealing with what's right in front of you right now. Uh, but but I love the idea of like, you know, how how do you look at this, the soccer world as your sustainability to get you there, 
right? Like, and then, and how do you put a marker on that business? Well, man, if I could just get this to 2 million a year, just through like uh, soccer or 5 million or whatever it may be, then that'll provide me like um, the margins in the product can get me to here. I don't got to spend all that big marketing dollar. Then I can save that money. And after five years, then I'll be able to, um, you know, build that farm, like really trying to tie, um, you know, an, an entire sort of your life vision and your business vision from a financial standpoint, really tight right. together so you can grow it together into that realization, I think, um, is, is something that you should should definitely think about considering, you know. We've already started the farm, you know, we already rescued two dogs and uh, we've got some animals back there. So, you know, we're starting the farm already. We're just going to scale it and rescue more animals is the the goal and hopefully teach my daughter how to how to do that in the future. So, yeah, love it. Love it. Hit me with your goal, life man. question, man. Yeah, yeah. So actually relating back to soccer, as a young athlete, playing soccer so much burnt me out. Uh, did you become burnt out on skateboarding since it became a job so early in your life? Yeah, you know, look, I think um, it was the growth and and progression in what the skateboarding career gave to me that never really burnt me out. You know what I mean? I, I think I lost favor in in what it was and 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 it didn't connect with my identity as I got older, right? Where okay. I'm it it you know it was it did feel more like a job. Um, but I had already like gotten so much from it and progressed from being sponsored to turning professional, then uh, moving to California, then skateboarding exploded. And now I got signature shoes and all these sponsors and making all this money. And now I'm buying my first house and all these things. Like I, I kept like my life kept elevating, but my passion was always business and continuing to create. And, and I, I almost took my eyes off of my career and let it suffer because of like what I'd consider kind of that burnt out sort of feeling. But uh, you know when I but right. when I but when I think about, you know, like young people getting burnt out and not pursuing it as, you know, going to college or a career, it always has to do with progression, right? Like if you're not playing as well or making as an impact as you you wish you would and it's just not as fun and ultimately mm. you're not getting any energy from it you're gonna quit you know what i mean yep. because why go do something that like now is taking from you every day like you're yep. not going to be motivated to like how can i extend this into college and now do this for four more years right because exactly you're you know, speaking it, my brain you're speaking exactly how i felt my senior year in high school rob Exactly. Same feeling. You know, you get to that point, you're just like, I don't want to do this for four more years. Hey, and, and for you, was it like, because you felt like you got so good and like, it seemed like a, an, a mean to an end that like you felt like, oh, this is what they, I'm supposed to be doing, but I don't enjoy it. And that was sort of the, the push and pull, or did you just not enjoy it from a structure standpoint? I did not enjoy it anymore because I was under so much pressure. I, you know, had a lot of great offers for college, but I was driving to Dallas twice a week while playing high school ball and personal trainer. You know, I was doing everything and I could have gone pro maybe if I didn't get injured, but I just, my passion wasn't there, Rob. I was exhausted. I was tired. I was burnt out. I didn't even want to touch a soccer ball, but it transferred into bodybuilding after high school, got into bodybuilding, got big, and then that transferred into business. And so that dedication mindset stayed just a different, a different thing, you know? Yeah. And look, and I think that's how life is, right? Like you go, right. as you grow and evolve, 
your passions like grow and evolve too, right? And you you really, as you get older, you kind of lock in to what really inspires you, gives you energy and what you can get up every day and do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you get better and better at that. And if you set clear goals and and begin to achieve those clear goals inside that framework, then you get more ambitious, more motivated uh, and, and try to get better and better at, at growing and evolving in that singular direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, in your case, rather than being like, you know, a giant bodybuilder now, now you're turning that energy into building a business, you know, and, yeah. and it's, it's giving you the fuel and, and the energy. But again, it'll suck the life out of you. If you don't, if it doesn't build to sustainability and you get, you, you begin to understand it and it does scale, right? Like, so that's why it's super important of creating a pathway to that scalability that you know you can achieve and that you believe you can do. And then you go put all that energy into realizing that because if you, if you are too hopeful and like, oh, if I just keep going, something will go my way versus being more tactical, um, you could find yourself getting burnt out again, um, mm. and and it it goes from the excitement of what could be to the pain of what won't won't most likely won't happen. Right? You got to prevent yeah. that at this stage. You know? Oh yeah, and you know, and I understand like my my personality at this point because I went through that already. I got burnt out before on something, and I understand. Okay, you know, have fun, enjoy life. You know, business is great, money's great, but enjoy life. And yeah, you know, I, I agree, hundred percent, Rob, hundred percent. All right. Well, look, man, it was a pleasure to meet you and I I wish you the best. I hope you take over and dominate soccer, man. I look forward to seeing it happen. Yeah, hopefully we'll see it. Maybe uh, one day your kid will be wearing our cleats. I hope so. I hope so, (laughs) man. Yeah, it was such a pleasure, Rob. Honestly, it's a big pleasure to meet you, man. A big fan of you. So I'm really glad I could be here. All right. All the best. Be good. Travis Fussell, welcome to Build with Rob. How are you? Hey, I'm wonderful. Pleasure to be here. Hey, look, I, I look forward to hearing... All about the Rad Mod hat. Lay out the vision that you have for this uh, particular product and company that you've created. Okay, this is uh, basically, it's a magic hat due to the material that I've sort of come up with. Uh, it's, it's real estate for your head. Ultimately, it's, it's, a, it's a billboard for what's in your heart. That's kind of the basic um, summary. So. Uh, you know, I, I grew up and, and my son was involved in the uh, in skating his whole life. So I've, I've been in that community and that culture. And uh, I've just always worn a hat, you know. And so I've seen all the different brands, this and that. So I pretty much wear a different, um, some sort of different logo every day. And I, I, I used to see these hats that were online. They had one little patch in the middle of them. I thought, hey, that'd be cool. I could switch these things out. But I figured somebody would come up with, with some sort of, you know, rendition that would, you know, allow more room to put your logos and such. But, you know, this has been 10 years. I've had this sort of on the shelf and got it off and worked on it a little bit, put it back, got it off. So finally, I've moved along far enough to sort of uh, order some prototypes and I got some in and I, I was, I was about to do the website and sort of, you know, put it out there for some marketing, but, uh, because I, I work a full-time job and I've got, you know, three other companies that I work with. So it, it's a timing thing. So, but now I've got it to the point where, like I said, I think if I've spent some time on it and got it out there, 
you know, this could be something I did shifted into full time. So um, that's kind of it in a nutshell. Yeah. And look, I, I'm, you know, it's a, you know, well executed product. Of course, I've, I've, I've got one right here, which is just, just, I mean, you could put any, any patch on here at any time. You know what I mean? You could, you could really make it your, your very own. And I, and I think you hit yes. me with like, you know, four or five taglines right there on what the potential of the, the expression side of the hat could be, you know, of like having this sort of idea yep. of like where you could, um, you know, basically make it your own. Right. And I think it's almost because of it's a Velcro parasite. Yeah. And, and look, and I think the problem like that it is so limitless by design is almost half of like what kind of makes it problematic because where do you start? Right. Like, and, and, and what's the first best step forward to realize this into something that can generate revenue, I think is, is probably going to be your toughest decision because it's like, are you going to go through the process to license all of these different logos and brands that people would want to associate and put on, on the hat? Okay. That's super complex. All right. Well, where does the the hat sell? Okay. Does it sell online? And then you got to make all the patches separately. Then what patches do you start with? Like, what will the consumers want the most? Like, who is the first consumer? Is it skaters like my son? Is it like people that love sports? Is it like, it's how do you decide on who's the actual customer and what patches to even make in the first place, I think is probably a bit of a struggle and a tough decision to kind of make, or have you made that choice so far? No, no, because I guess it's so broad right now. So I've got everything in there, you know, sports teams and, you know, music, musicians and bands and I mean, it's everything tactical, you know, uh, USA, it, it pretty much fits any scenario and you just sort of personalize it and customize it for you. You know, that's kind of where it is now. So it's very broad, but ideally we would make the patches. I would like to do that and then sell those just ongoing limited releases, this and that. So, yeah. And look, and that's where I think you're in trouble. You know what I mean? Like, like it's, it's, it's the broadness like is where it's going to be hard to like lock in on like um, sort of the value proposition of the product. Like, because now it's like, like rather than it being like a super like targeted consumer, targeted distribution, targeted concept. Right. And, you know, cause when I, when I think about it, it's like, if it was like more like, this is my mood hat and like feeling it today. And then you got your, your hat was expression of how you feel that day. And so like, it came with 15 patches. That was how you were feeling like, bum, don't talk to me. Like all these different things. You know what I mean? Like then you're selling and then, okay, let's focus this on just like, you know, 15 to 25 year olds, like to express how they feel. And then look at like the distribution that would support that. And then like, it's by the hat and the patches all in one. And now it's this entire sort of experience around mood. Then you could do, you know, all your traditional demand creation and social media and all, and, and TikTok and, and Facebook ads of like, tell the world how you're feeling today. Like, don't talk to me. If it got that specific, then, then I think you have, you have essentially one hat with all those patches in, and you're just trying to move one of those at a time, um, would, would just be a way I think to, for consideration. Yeah. yeah, They'd have like a kit, 
with them. You know, you get this package or that package or whichever fits you. Yeah. You know, it's uh, like, I, I, you know, there. versus like, like having just that trying to sell the hat and then pick from all the patches. I think it just gets so hard to identify who the consumer is going to be. And then how do you reach them? You know what I mean? So, um, I just think it's, yeah, it's sure. just something to consider. How do you make people talk about the hat? And putting their favorite sort of team logos on it or, or the stuff that mean is meaningful to them. I don't know if it will, will as much as like, this is the hat where I just let everybody know how I'm feeling today. You know what I'm saying? This is like the, the, the going out hat and it's like single taken, like ready, like yeah. to what looking for a one night stand, you know, like whatever, like, Oh, sh oh you know, you're yeah. really doing it. Like it's, you know, if you can get in like yeah. where, cause you got to think of the hat is also the marketing and the marketing has to be shareable in this day and age. Right. So if you put a little bit of a spin and focus yeah. these like that, I just think you would have a much easier chance at at um, like getting customers, getting people sharing it, and creating a position that goes beyond like just they're going to buy their favorite sports team hat anyway. If they're if you know for, for yeah. the most part they're going to just like use the hat like that they want they'll just buy it right versus like creating a hat experience now that doesn't exist in the market. By, by doing it around these sort of True. separate things is, is something I think you should consider when, when, when you think about launching it instead of going so broad, you know. This material is sort of proprietary. I work with the designer of this hat company, which is a major brand right now. But because if you, you can't market Velcro because that's, you know, copyrighted and such. So we sort of come up with our own sort of Neo loop side material. It's lighter and it's, it's more accommodating for that. Uh, so, I mean, the company is this hat, but I have streetwear and jackets and shoes even with this material in it. So, you know, you spread the love with the patches wherever you're going, whatever you're doing, you know, just to sort of, you know, brand or whatever you're trying to do simultaneously. So there's other, but there's other uh, line. It's a, it's sort of merchandise also, but yeah. it starts with the hat. Yeah. And again, you got to get, you got to, it, it, it's like staying really focused in the beginning because you got to get them sales for it to get real. You know what I mean? Like in order to ever get out to those additional products outside of f finding somebody just to license it, you know what I mean? And you go out and license, do a license deal. Otherwise, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta start with a focused consumer to try to really begin to generate those sales, you know? Yeah. And what do you got for me? Questions wise? Well, the question, you know, like a, this initially is why I contacted you. You know, I'm, I'm got my hands in a lot of different things. I'm a, you know, sort of an artist creator. I've got a lot of things I've got my hands in. Uh, certainly I have a full-time job in these other jobs. Now, I, I, as far as balance goes, and this has just been on the shelf for, you know, five years and I've done a little bit work. I've got more stuff I'm working on in the background. I, I don't trying to figure out how to balance that, you know? So, you know, how to, you know, maybe take more time and designate it for that or, or don't. I mean, certainly I believe in the products or projects or I wouldn't have started them, but. I'm yeah. I mean, look, I think, I think, you know, for, for someone like you, that's constantly sort of dabbling and creating and constantly having ideas and like, 
like, oh, which one should it be? But never going fully all in with an idea like, oh, I know this as well, but but will this be like what's going to support me and sustain me? Does it take me to the like, uh, can it be a business? I don't know. Like, well, maybe this idea could be it. Right. I think there's it's a very common problem I see in in sort of the inventor's mind, you know, where you're constantly sort of um, sort of looking and trying different things that you think might be the one. And and for me, I think I was the same way, um, but it was in the form of constantly building companies, you know, and, and hoping one would reveal itself as the winner. And then I would focus on that one. And what really changed for me is when I really began to design everything with sort of a financial output and a time output that I wanted to commit to it and what my end goal with it was, you know, and then go all in and try to achieve that um, because it will fulfill what I need. And, and I really think that starts with like, like what you want in life. You know what I mean? It's like really designing like, okay, this is, if I could make this much money per year, per month, um, and spend this much time doing it, this would be ideal. And so let's just say it's like, I want to make 200 grand a year and I want to work, you know, a regular, uh, 40 hours a week doing a single project and then spend time on the weekends with my son and whatever else, like designing what you actually want. Then looking at these projects and looking at like which one can help me achieve this and then looking at it from an economic standpoint all the way back from that. And if it is, if the hat ends up being the winner and it's like, man, if I could sell, you know, 100,000 units a year, like that's going to, um, you know, after my costs and expenses, that's going to net me the money that I would like to live and be sustained on. Uh, and a portion of that I'm going to save that gets me to my financial goals. I think for creatives and inventors and that's like that idea of how it all um, starting at the end from a financial perspective and how does it ladder into a life plan and a life goal as it relates to that, I think is one thing that becomes incredibly um, hard for the creative mind to think in that sort of way, but it's essential to give you the milestones and the flags in the ground of what you're actually trying to do. Cause otherwise you'll always dabble while you do your main thing to say, stay sustainable. You'll dabble in the other things cause they're, it's always too risky to go put all the energy into it. Uh, because what happens if it doesn't work? You know what I mean? Right. You know, because tell me this, like, what do you tell me your life vision when you think about the rest of your life and what you're hoping to achieve? Like, how do you see your life vision as you sit today? Well, it's certainly, you know, doing what I love, which is creating. So I am doing that currently. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm in the golf business sort of full time. This is like a secular sort of project outside of it, which, you know, it's more people are the audience there. So. But that's sort of what I'm sort of born to do is I'm an ongoing creator, artist. And so I want to be able to do those things uh, and then, you know, have the financial support there, certainly. And, you know, um, share that with my loved ones and my family and, and other people. So and I'm, and I'm 48. So, you know, uh, I've been been down some roads and, you know, gotten myself to here and. I've gotten some more freedoms as, as I've moved along, but I think in the next year, I just want to keep growing that and, and doing that, 
whether it's starting a company or creating other projects or whatever it is. So I'm always, I'm always in that mode of ideas and creating and, you know, it's just alignment with the right people and, you know, bringing them to life. That's sort of what I want to do. I'm always. Yeah. Yeah. It. And look, it, and then of these things sort of just in Yeah. And I think you should really start like thinking about that through the lens of the stuff that you create. And so the hat's a perfect example of like, you've gone through it, you've got the material, you've got the concept, right? Like if you want to go down the operational side where now you got to get capital, you've got to have money, you've got to have partners, and now you've got to find distribution and customer acquisition and like just the chaos and the hardcore mm-hmm. side of what it actually takes to realize, um, you know, what I'd consider cash eventually from the product itself there's this big gap right like it's an incredible it's a much more difficult undertaking versus going and licensing this to somebody for a five percent ten percent royalty that now you've done all the work to create it now they're going to monetize it and it's another thing you've created and boy look at this now it's just generating cash for you even if it's a small license fee sure sure then, yeah and then everything you create sure. and design you should design almost within that lens like, you know, and, and go and like, hey, this is something that could be really big in golf. I'm going to design it, try to patent it and then take it and try to license it to a golf company. Right. Like it's if that becomes sort of your life model of like just trying to use your creative inventor mind to be able to get a product far enough along to be able to get it licensed. Boy, think think of the dream life. That you would have if you had five, six of your ideas under license and that was like just reoccurring revenue mailbox money, as they call it, that came pouring in on a monthly basis while you continued to just focus on finding the next thing to go out and build and license. To me, I don't know about you. Sounds like a dream life. You know what I mean? It sounds like dream scenario for a guy like you. Well, you know, like I said, growing up, watching your career blossom and go all different kind of ways you know you're a skater i told you my son's a skater that picture you drew of yourself uh with the cat stacks of cash around you you know we kind of both looked at that thought that was great i know you've been doing this your whole life but uh, uh you know you're I don't, i'm not familiar with who you're currently sponsored by and i know you're into the next level i know you don't really skate much but uh you know every time you're on tv you've got a hat on it's kind of strange to see you without a hat, but I guess you got to wear the microphone, the earphone. But do you mostly still wear a hat, or you now that you're doing other businesses, it's sort of informal? Well, I mean, look, me and you are look, me and you are basically the same age. You know what I mean? And and I, yeah. uh, my television is essentially like a character at this point. You know what I mean? And so, like, I wear a hat on yeah. TV as it's like part of like my character uniform almost you know what i mean and then like and but i'm still uh and and the rest of my time i am a businessman and father uh so for the most part i don't really wear a hat at the same same level in my regular life i really just wear it for television you know what i mean as it's part of like sort of uh, that that character, if you will, and and I just it feels more natural in the television setting, and I and of course I still wear a hat uh, from time to time, but yeah, you know, at, at the end of the day, it's the for me, I transitioned away of like um, you know having sponsors and being obligated to 
uh, sort of logos, if you will. And even the hat that I wear is just my do or die or logo for the machine. It's just something personal. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, but look, I, I, I appreciate it. I think you got something special here. I do, I do implore that you go out and, and use that inventor spirit and, and hustle your way into some licensed deals and, and just try to go turn that into a cash flow machine and just do that over and over. I think, um, that should be part of your new life vision. And I think that will, will you hit a couple of those and you'll live the rest of your life in, in total bliss. Okay. I sure appreciate your time and, uh, your answering my questions. I appreciate you. All right. All the best. All right. That's it for our show today. Thank you, everybody who listens to this show. As always, like and subscribe wherever you do that. And of course, uh, you know, you want to be a part of the show, go to DerekMachine.com. You know, send us your life vision, your business vision. Let's talk about it. You want to pitch us an idea, pitch us an idea. You want to be a machinist and be a part of our process. Again, everything at DerekMachine.com. And you know what we do down here. We put a vision to everything that we can. We create clear, clear plans so we know it's possible. And we give it everything we got and everything that we do. See it, believe it, do it. Until next time.